12 today in the word of the Lord we're going to be talking to you about the great tribulation and the great tribulation is the last three and a half years of the tribulation period this is about the 40th message out of the book of Revelation and uh, we're in Revelation 12 I believe Revelation 12 last week we explained pretty good to you what all this means we're going to deal with it some more in the area of the great tribulation period okay Revelation 12, verse 1, there appeared a great wonder or a great sign in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. We have in the word of the Lord, we have last day signs. This is one of them. This woman, the Bible talks about her in the heaven. She is a sign Sometimes the word sign is used in the plural form in the book of Revelation. It's always with the uh, negativity. It's always with the Antichrist working signs, plural. But when you look in Revelation here, you talk about the sign here. These are last day signs. And the Bible says this woman is seen in the heaven. She's clothed with the sun and the moon is under her feet. And upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth. She's going through birth pangs. We explained to you last week, uh, heavily Mashiach, which is the birth pains of the Messiah, or the birth pains before the Messiah. And uh, that's also going to be a part of what we're teaching today. But she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another sign in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon... This is known as Leviathan. Job talks about Leviathan. Isaiah talks about Leviathan. Ezekiel talks about Leviathan, this seven-headed dragon. Okay, uh, we know this is Satan, also represents the Antichrist, one world government system. We'll talk about that as we get to Revelation 13. But this sign here in the heaven, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, literally a, uh, a man-child or a man-son, this is not a baby here. This is a full-grown, mature son that has come forth. Okay? It says man-child, so it makes you think that it's a baby, but it's not. This is a mature son that has come forth out of this woman. <clears throat> Who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Number one, this speaks of the Lord Jesus. Revelation 2, we showed you that that was a promise to the overcomer in the church. Okay? So the man-child, number one, the Lord Jesus, number two, the church. Amen? She, this child or this son is coming out of this woman. The Bible says this child is, or this son is caught up unto God and to his throne. Caught up. Amen. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred threescore days. This woman is Israel. It's also the church. Now, some of you might have a problem with that. I don't. I don't have a problem with that at all. 
In fact, when you look in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about when Jesus came forth, Jesus, was, Jesus did not just come forth Jewish. Now, I know that shocked some of you. But Jewish blood was not the only thing in Jesus. I don't know if you remember this or not, but Ruth was an ancestor of Jesus and she was a Moabite. So he came forth from Jew and Gentile. Okay, so if y'all want to split hairs with me here today on this stuff, I don't have a problem with seeing this woman as Israel and also the church. Okay? Do you understand that? <clears throat> now, the Bible says, though, this woman flees into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared to God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred three score days. Now, this is the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. It is the great tribulation. She is fed there for 1,260 days or three and a half years. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. And he prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. So now we know who this dragon is. This dragon is the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. His angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him this dragon, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now that's powerful right there. And they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. 1260 days, that's it. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, one year, that's, and then times is two years, and a half a time, that's a half a year. So again, three and a half years. From the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out his mouth water as of a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth. And swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. This can be propaganda. This can also be military movement. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. And went to make war. Notice this. With the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ. For chapter 13, verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea, saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns. Upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now this is the Antichrist. We've got a dragon with seven heads, and now the Bible talks about this beast coming out of the sea. Same description is given here. 
Uh, this speaks of the Antichrist, who's empowered by the dragon. The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue, notice, 42 months. Same time frame. Last three and a half years. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. You see that? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose name is are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. He spake as a dragon. I believe this to be the false prophet. I believe this to be a religious leader. I believe personally to be the Pope. We'll get more into detail as we cover this as to why we believe this. But there's two beasts in this chapter, a political beast and a religious beast. Verse 12. The second beast exercised all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, a counterfeit Pentecost. He deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the womb by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, to me, I don't believe that this is one image. There is going to be one primary image, but I believe it's multiple idols that people are going to be worshiping in the tribulation period. Demon powers are going to invade these inanimate, inanimate objects and through this, through these demonic powers and these images, these idols all over the world, uh, they are going to be compelled to worship the beast. That's how he's going to have power and influence over the whole world. How can have one man, how can one man have power and influence over the whole world? Well, it's through demonic powers. And we'll see that as we get into this chapter. It's going to be a few weeks as we look at this. But anyway, uh, the Bible says, though, this image of the beast, this... Uh, this second beast has power to give life to it, that it should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. No doubt a golem, maybe. We'll explain that to you, the golem. 
Verse 16, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, that him that hath understandeth understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred Three score and six, or six, six, six. This is all happening in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. It is known as the Great Tribulation. Revelation 12 and 13 are happening at the same time. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now. We take authority over every spirit that is not of you in this house. We ask, O oh God, that human spirits would submit themselves to your will and purpose in their life today. We thank you, God, for your presence. We know this is your word. God, we give you all the glory, the praise, and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we explained to you who this woman is, I believe, last week, that she represents Israel, and also this, this man or this son that's coming out of her represents the saved of Israel that's going to believe in the Messiah. I believe that we prove that to you. Just before Messiah comes at the end of the tribulation period, this is going to take place. I believe we also prove to you that she represents the church. Do you believe that today? I believe that with all my heart. This woman represents the church. In uh, Revelation 2, we talked about the seed that comes out of her is going to be given a rod to rule the nations, and it's speaking to a church there. Amen. So what I see here is that we've got this woman depicting Israel, but also the church of the living God. This man-child that comes forth is the redeemed that are going to come out of Israel. But it's also the redeemed that's going to come out of a religious system, a church system. Do you believe that? I believe that this woman in the middle of the tribulation period depicts to us the persecuted believers whether they be Israel or uh, Gentiles in the church, really doesn't make any difference. They are the persecuted believers. I do not believe in a pre-tribulation rapture that is commonly taught by the majority of religious leaders today. I believe the church is going into the great tribulation period. Revelation 2, let's back up here and look at this. Uh, for the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, Michael, the archangel, is going to be restraining the Antichrist revelation. He's going to be holding him back so that he is not revealed. In the middle of the tribulation period, Michael is going to stand back. He's going to stop holding back. And when he does that, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. And great, great persecution is going to take place against the church and against Israel. Now, what you need to understand is this, is that the wrath of God that's going to be poured out in the seven-year tribulation period, the wrath of God, primarily in that time frame, is upon Israel or Jerusalem. At the end of the tribulation period, it is called the day of the Lord. And that's when God pours His wrath out on the whole world, the nations. When God pours out His worldwide wrath on the nations, Israel is never mentioned as having that wrath poured out upon them. She has already experienced the wrath of God in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period called Jacob's trouble. Okay? 
But when you study the Hebrew word Ebra, it means the wrath of God. It's his severe burning judgment. It's always in connection with the day of the Lord, and it's upon Gentiles. Do you understand? Having said that, though, the church is not protected from the persecution in that seven-year tribulation period. We will be kept from the wrath of God, protect from His general worldwide wrath, but we will not be protected from persecution. It is clear in the Word of God that the church will be persecuted, Israel will be persecuted also. Do you understand these things? And we'll try to develop these things this morning. Go to Revelation 2. And if you look at these churches, just briefly, to show you that the church is going to be in that great tribulation period, that last three and a half years. I don't have time to go in and reteach all of this. But if you look at Revelation 2 and 3, it is very, very clear that these warnings that are given here are given to the church in the future that will find themselves in the tribulation period. Very clear. There is no question in my mind. Particularly Revelation 2, let's look, I'm talking about Revelation 2 and 3. It's clear that the church is there. But one example, Revelation 2.22, here's what Jesus says. And remember, he's writing to the seven churches of Asia. He says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So he promises here these people who are unfaithful and they're in the church will be cast in the great tribulation. And verse 23, I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the rain hearts and will give unto her, unto every one of you according to, now did you see that? According to their works. When he cast these unbelieving, unfaithful believers into the tribulation period and he judges them. He says, then shall all the churches know. Which means all the churches, including the faithful, are going to see what God is going to do to the unfaithful. Did you catch that? It's not just the false church that is in the tribulation period here. It is not just the false church that's in the great tribulation the last three and a half years. All the churches are in there and are going to see what God is going to do to the unfaithful church in the great tribulation period. Did you, did you catch that? If you've already been pre-tribulationally raptured out of here and all that is left to go into the tribulation by way of the church is concerned is the unbelieving church, then how can all the churches know? How are all, going, how are all the churches going to see what he does to the unfaithful church? If you've already been pre-tribulationally raptured out of here. It's not in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you again. Say great tribulation. My subject this morning is the great tribulation. He's going to cast this unrepentant, unfaithful church into uh, great tribulation. Except they repent of their deeds. And then he says, I'll kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, I will give unto every one of you according to your works. All the churches are going to see it. But unto you I say and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine in which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. 
But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. So he speaks to the faithful here, and he says, hold fast till I come. And this coming of the Lord is post-tribulational. It's after the tribulation. And he says to this church, those that are not faithful, he said, I'm going to cast you into tribulation. He's going to uh, discipline them, going to judge them. And all the church is going to see what he's doing to the unfaithful. But at the same time, he says to those faithful in the tribulation period, in the great tribulation, he says, be faithful until when? Until I come. And his coming is post-tribulational. Whether it be Urkomai or Perusia, they're all post-tribulational. So you've got to hold fast until he comes. If you're a faithful believer... If you're an unfaithful believer, he's going to judge these unfaithful believers in the tribulation. So it's very, very clear. All right, do you understand? Uh, yes, hallelujah. Verse 25, but that which you have already, hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. And the word end, and we'll talk about this if we can this morning. I don't know how much area we're going to be able to cover today. But the word to the end, the end is the day of the Lord. Matthew 13, look at the parables. It talks about the end of the age. The end of the, the age is when God comes back, pours out his searing wrath upon the Gentiles in the day of the Lord. So he tells the faithful believer to hold fast till he comes and also to the end. To the end of what? To the end of the tribulation period, right up to the day of the Lord, because the day of the Lord is the end. So it's, it, you, can't get, it, you can't get any clearer than this. The only way that you can miss the church in the tribulation period is if you don't want to see her there. She, can, can you read? Can you see? That Jesus is talking to what he's going to do to the unfaithful church. And then also what he's going to do to the faithful church. And he says, be faithful. Hold fast to the, uh, till he comes. This is good. But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. Coming of the Lord, second coming. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations. That's exactly what he said about this man-child that came out of this woman. He said, I'm going to give you power over the nations. I'm going to give you a rod. Power over the nations. Now he's speaking to the church and says the same thing. He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. I will give him the morning star. He that hath near let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You get that? The question is, will you heed his warning? There's going to be many that don't. Okay. Let's go to Daniel then. All right, Revelation 12, we see that when this woman is giving birth to the man, that, of course, that's Israel, the redeemed of Israel, those that have believed in Messiah, born again. We talked about this last week. They're coming out of Israel. Also represents the church because remember it talks about the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the church, man. 
And uh, in the middle of this tribulation period, then, we have war in heaven. So let me get right there, okay? Let me get there. How many of you understand there's a seven-year tribulation period to come? And how many of you understand that the, in the middle of the tribulation period, the la- at the midpoint, three and a half years from there, is called the Great Tribulation? How, how many of you understand that? Okay. So now you know the time we're talking about, last three and a half years. Michael and his angels are going to fight and restrain the Antichrist the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. But at some point, midpoint, he's going to stop. He's going to cease holding back. He's going to cease restraining. Are you here today? Before I go to Daniel, let me go to one passage because this is commonly used to preach pre-trib rapture and I used to be pre-trib, so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to pre-trib. You see, okay, hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. Look at this. And then we'll go to Daniel 10. So if you want to get Daniel 10 while you're getting 2 Thessalonians, let me show you something here, okay? Now you see in Revelation 12, let me just slow down just a little bit. I know I talk real fast because I'm trying to get you as much information as I can. But in 2 Thessalonians, there is a restrainer that is spoken of that hinders the revelation of the Antichrist. Revelation 12, we see the dragon fighting with Michael, the archangel, and his angels. And then the dragon is cast into the earth and is allowed to persecute Israel. Okay, you with me? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. One translation, the day of the Lord is at hand. Now, again, the seven-year tribulation period is not the day of the Lord. It is not. It is taught that way, but it is not. The day of the Lord is after the seven-year tribulation period. He says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day... Day of the Lord, day of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. So he tells you, here's the signs that will precede the day of the Lord. Apostasy. A falling away. There is going to be a great falling away like the world has never seen. It will be a Judas Iscariot body that is in the midst of his body. In the midst of Christ's body, Judas Iscariot's body will manifest itself in the last days by apostatizing from the body of Christ. So what happened in Jesus' day is going to happen again. History repeating itself. It's going to be a great Judas Iscariot apostasy. Jesus gave that as a sign, right? That will precede, precede the day of the Lord. Not, come on, not at the day of the Lord, but will precede the day of the Lord. 
Then he gives another sign that will precede the day of the Lord. And he says, okay, there's going to be a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. The man of sin is going to be revealed before the day of the Lord. Which means if he is revealed in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, then the tribulation period cannot be the day of the Lord. Do you see that? See, what I'm trying to tell you is many people say the seven-year tribulation period is the day of the Lord. But there are signs that precede the day of the Lord that happen in the seven-year tribulation period. The falling away and the Antichrist being revealed. The day of the Lord is post-tribulational. Okay? It's after the tribulation. Now watch this. So God gave you two signs that precede the day of the Lord, and they're all within the scope of a seven-year tribulation period that precede the day of the Lord. He says about this, uh, <clears throat> this man of sin, which will be revealed, the son of perdition, he opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. So number one, he's going to oppose God. Okay? He's going to try to hinder God. He's going to persecute the church, persecute Israel, so that the mystery of God will not come to pass. And what is the mystery of God? Israel coming into the kingdom of God. That's a great mystery. Romans 11 talks about it. And Revelation 10 talks about it. Going to try to hinder this, all right? He exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So he opposeth and exalts himself so that he as God, now he's going to show himself to be God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When does that happen? In the middle of the tribulation period. Daniel 9, 27 talks about in the middle of the tribulation period, he's going to cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And then he talks about the overspreading of abomination. When that he will make, by overspreading of abomination, he'll make it desolate. Jesus talked about when you see the abomination of, uh, uh, abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. He said, flee. And that's at the midpoint of the tribulation period. Okay? Do you understand? Take Daniel 9.27 and Matthew 24, where we have the abomination of desolation. That's where the Antichrist goes in and sets himself up as God in the sanctuary of God. Okay, reveals himself at that time. Midpoint of the tribulation period. Okay, are you with me up to this point? Do you understand? Keep your place in 2 Thessalonians. Let me go over to Daniel 9 so, you're not, so you know what I'm talking about. Daniel 9, 27, it says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's that seven-year tribulation period. And in the midst of the week, so here we go, in the middle of the week, He shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, He shall make it desolate. Even until the consummation, or that's the end, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, 
So when does, he, when does this abomination of desolation take place? In the middle of the week. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Jesus speaking here. Is it okay if I just teach you some this morning? All right, here we go. Verse 15. In the middle of the week, we know it's going to take place. And when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. There's that woman fleeing into the wilderness. Okay, with 42 months left. Three and a half years left. Let him which is in the house stop not come down to take away, take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So when the Antichrist goes into the sanctuary, sets himself up as God, it's in the middle of the tribulation period. The Lord says then, he said, it's, it, he calls it great tribulation. Do you understand? That, that's what starts the great tribulation. Okay, hallelujah. Now, 2 Thessalonians, uh, hold your place again, still in Daniel. It's 2 Thessalonians, let me get back over there and show you. Is everybody understanding? So in Revelation 12, then you see this restraining of the, of the uh, Michael and his angels fighting against the Antichrist, but, it, but something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Because he's going to come forth, he's going to reveal himself, set himself up as God, and persecute the woman. 2 Thessalonians, let's look at this passage. Are you following me so far, what we're doing? Okay, saying this Thessalonians 2 again. We have two signs that are given that precede the day of the Lord. We have a falling away and the revealing of the man of sin. Those things happen before the day of the Lord. The Bible says uh, in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth, say withholdeth, or holds. There's something that is withholding him. There's something that's holding this back, this revealing of the man of sin. Now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now leadeth or restrains will restrain or let until he be taken out of the way. So before the Antichrist can be revealed, what is holding him back and what is restraining him has to be taken out of the way. And that is commonly preached as the pre-tribulation rapture. That it's the church that's holding him back and restraining him from being revealed. But we're going to see what the Bible says. 
Because there's only one in the scripture that is said to hold back and restrain. And he's Michael. Okay? Not the church. Come on. Church doesn't have to be taken out before Antichrist is revealed. The Bible then goes on and it says this, And then shall that wicked, after what? That restrainer is taken out of the way. After that, that's holding back is taken away. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, his parousia. So, St. Thessalonians 2 Verse 1, now we beseech you, brethren, by the parousia, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. That's when the rapture takes place. But it's also, verse 8 says, uh, when he comes at his parousia, that's when he destroys the Antichrist. So the rapture of the church and the destroying of the Antichrist takes place at the coming of the Lord. They are not separated by seven years. They happen at the same time. How can you have the coming of the Lord to gather us, Episanago, gather us up out of here at his parousia? And then seven years later, he, the Bible says he's going to parousia and destroy the Antichrist. Where's the gap there? There's no gap. There's only one parousia of the Lord. There's only one coming of the Lord. And when he comes, for the Lord, comes he's going to gather us out and at the same time destroy the Antichrist. So there's no pre-tribulation rapture in any of this. Okay, y'all still there? So he's going to destroy the Antichrist at his perusia. He's going to gather his elect at his perusia. Verse 1 and verse 8. Now, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Talking about the Antichrist. With all power and signs and lying wonders. Revelation 12 and 13, we read it to you this morning. With all deceivableness and un, of unrighteousness in them that perish, why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. See, it's not enough to know truth. There's a lot of people who know the truth but won't do it. It's not, an, it's not enough to know the truth. You've got to love the truth. Because those, the Bible says there's going to be people who perish. Those are going to be judged. Revelation 2. Talked about the church, that the unbeliever, going to be cast into the great tribulation. They're going to be judged. Why? Not because they didn't know the truth, but because they wouldn't do the truth. Because of wrong choices that they made. So what he's saying here is there's going to be some that's not going to heed the warning. Okay, y'all still with me so far? You got to love this truth. I, see, I, now listen, I'm not preaching down to you. I have as much warfare and conflict as anybody here. But this is for all of us. This word is for this preacher. This word is for you in the pew. You can always choose. You understand? All right, verse 10. So there's going to be great deception of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Say the truth. Well, what is the truth? The Word of God. The Scripture. The Word of God. But Jesus is the living Word. So if you don't love the living Word or the written Word, 
you are going to fall under a delusion and a deception. And if you can't live for him now, there's no way you'll die for him then. It's impossible. You will be so greatly deceived by the powers of darkness that you will believe the lie. You'll take the mark of the beast. Now watch. Because they didn't receive a love of the truth that they might be safe. Verse 11. For this cause God shall send them a strong delusion. Verse 11. That they should believe the lie. See if I don't give myself to truth and walk in the light. Then what God does is he in the future will send a delusion himself. That is the consequence of wrong decisions and wrong choices that go contrary to the Word of God is that the more you do that, the more likely you will be deceived. Heavy. But there is a specific lie, and it's the lie of Satan. It's the lie of the Antichrist. It's the mark of the beast. It's, it's apostatizing and joining his lie where he promises a false peace or a temporary peace if you will take his mark. And it's a temporary peace. It's a false peace. It's a pseudo peace. But a lot of people, in order to have three and a half years of peace and food to eat, will align themselves with this beast. Why? Because they didn't receive a love for the truth. If Listen, there's two things happening here. Good news. If you walk in the truth, if you walk in the light, then you will not be deceived. But Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. He said if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived in this time. If it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. But what keeps us from being deceived is walking in the truth. Not just hearing it, but believing it and obeying that truth. And that's what keeps us from being deceived and believing the lie. Because the enemy is always throwing the lie to us, even now. But if I reject the truth, I'm talking about me right now. I, you can take it for you if you want to, but for me. If I reject the truth right now, and I don't walk in the word of the Lord and obey its truth, then I will become slowly deceived as a man of God. So I'm not exempt from this, nor are you. So, again, two things. Walk in the truth, walk in the light, and you won't get deceived. But when you reject truth and reject the light, don't love it, then the Bible talks about an ultimate deception that a person will fall into and they will believe the lie. And uh, hallelujah. It's like people, they just go, they zone, man. Now I'm going to tell you, let me explain what I'm talking about. Do you know that today, right now, that you can move in this prophetic passage spiritually? There are people in this world that are possessed by demons. And you know who they are? They're not necessarily world, people in the world only. There are people who have rejected the word of the Lord, who have been possessed by the spirit of Antichrist. 
and they walk around. They got this hollow look on their eye, man. I remember a long time ago I saw this article. This woman had the mark of the beast right flat right on her head, man, on her forehead. And if you don't know this, there is the mark of the beast is already here. It's not going to come. It's here now. They've, they've already experimented. They've already put it in people, okay? So this is not something way off down the road. It's already here. This, this woman, though, they, they depicted her. She had a mark of the beast on her forehead. She's walking through a supermarket buying things, you know, food. And they depicted her so good. And, and she just looked. She had this blank stare on her face. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Zone, you know? They're just like way out there somewhere. You know, there's a zone in somewhere. And, and what happens is, is the, the, the spirit of this age gets a hold of somebody. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just people in the world. It's people that sit in the house of the Lord. They, they get this look on their face. They get this blank stare on their face. They say, I'm not going to do that. Do you understand that you are setting yourself up when you reject the word of the Lord? You are setting yourself up for great deception and great confusion in your mind. You're going, why am I so confused? There is the lie that's coming. But right now, all of us, including this pastor, because we're not, we're grieving the Holy Spirit, we're grieving the Lord, God's got His Spirit in us, and we're grieving the Lord, and we wonder why we're not happy. You can't be happy if you're grieving God's Spirit. You can't be happy if you're grieving the Spirit of the Lord by disobedience to His Word. So what happens then is you're unhappy because you've got this grieving of the Spirit going on in you and you're starting to get deceived and you're starting to get all confused and crazy. Why? Because you don't receive a love for the truth that you might be saved. And ultimately, the lie is going to come and God is going to send a strong delusion to those who do not receive a love of the truth, they will believe the lie and they will be damned. It, listen, remember what John, what um, was written in the scripture, what he read to you, that Antichrist, the, the spirit of Antichrist is already here now. The, the, uh, the Antichrist spirit is already at work right now. Way back there when the early apostles wrote that. It was at work then in their day, man. They came up against it. They were fighting against that deception. They were against that worldly system. They were against that religious system. They were against that political spirit of Antichrist. They fought it then. We're fighting it now. But in the future, it's going to be an ultimate choice. Ultimate decision. An apostasy. You understand? And so again, that verse goes back with that first sign where he said there's going to be a great falling away. I'm just preaching you the Bible today. This is the word of the Lord. Let's look at this some more. Okay, say that slowly. Is this okay? Well, I'm going to preach it anyway. If you don't like it, it don't matter. But what I'm trying to do though is get you to hear this. Okay, now watch. 
Again, let's keep reading just a little bit. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Well, they didn't receive the love for the truth. And then it says they didn't believe the truth. Why? Why didn't they want to walk in the truth? Why didn't they want to believe the truth? Why didn't they want to love the truth? Because they loved unrighteousness more. Come on, just, you know, let's just get honest. But they had pleasure in unrighteousness. But verse 13, here's the good news. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. If you'll walk in verse 13, you don't have to worry about the previous verses. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is an apostle's doctrine that you must hear and receive and believe. I'm not talking about necessarily man's church doctrine. I'm talking about God's apostolic doctrine or the doctrine of the apostles, what they preached. He said that it was through that that you're called to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Remember what Jesus said? Hold fast. Revelation 2. To the church, Revelation 2. He said, hold fast what you've got till I come. You got it? So anyway. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. That's powerful stuff right there. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us every lasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Comfort your heart. Man, that's comforting to me to know that God would forewarn me about great deception that's going to come, about a falling away that would take place, about a revealing of Antichrist. And he even told us in Daniel 9, 27, when it was going to happen, the middle point of the tribulation period. And then Matthew 24, he says, when you see that take place, he said, flee to the mountains, for then shall be great tribulation. Last three and a half years. Now, Daniel 10. Let's go there. Let me get to, let me finally get there. So the first three and a half years, Daniel, I mean, uh, Michael, the archangel, he's called. He is going to be resisting, restraining, and holding back the revealing of the Antichrist. Okay, you with me? But something's going to happen because after that fight, we see three and a half years, the, the devil's going to come down and have in great wrath. And he's going to persecute the woman that goes into the wilderness. Okay? Daniel 10. Let's try to find out. Because, again, saying this only is true, the Bible talks about something holding back the Antichrist from being revealed. Something restraining him from being revealed. 
We already made reference to you. It's not the church doing that. Okay, Revelation, uh, Daniel 10.21. Let's find out who's this, who is this that's holding back or restraining this event. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. In the word of the Lord, if you can find otherwise, let me know. But I know of no other time where a specific mention is made of what holds back with the exception of this one verse. And it says, Michael is the one that is the holder. Michael is the restrainer. In fact, study, study the Hebrew word uh, holding there. And it will, it's the same word that means to restrain. Get your strong concordance. Look it up. He is called the restrainer. He is called the one that holds with me in these things. But Michael, Michael, your prince, he's the restrainer. Now watch this. Go to Daniel 12. In Daniel 12, we come to the midpoint of the tribulation period, the beginning of the great tribulation. In Daniel 12, 1, and at that time shall Michael stand up. Now, that is not a good translation. Because following that, all of a sudden, this distress hits Israel. If Michael is standing up and Michael is holding this back, then how can we have great distress? It, do, it doesn't even fit in the context. The Hebrew word amad, A-M-A-D, amad, is translated in your King James Version Bible. At that time shall Michael stand up. But it should be that he ceases to restrain or he stops doing what he's been doing or he stops standing. He stops holding back. He stops restraining. Watch this. And because, and this is, this is not, you can study this in, in your concordance. Uh, Strong's Concordance, it will tell you this. But even a Jewish scholar by the name of Rashi makes it very, very clear that it, Michael here is not standing up for Israel. Michael is stopping his restraint. So he is the restrainer that is taken out of the way. Michael is the one that's holding all this back that's going to be taken out of the way. And so in Revelation 12, we see him warring. With the dragon and the dragon's angels. But at the midpoint of the tribulation period, Michael stands back and lets the devil pour out his wrath upon that woman and persecutes her. So the Bible interprets itself. Watch. At that time shall Michael stand up or cease or stop restraining. Ahmad in the Hebrew. He says... He's the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And then, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. 
Even to that same time and at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. So he stops restraining. He stops withholding. He stops doing what he's doing right now. And then all of a sudden, the distress hits the nation of Israel. A time of trouble like the world has never seen. Now, the Old Testament prophet Daniel, God spoke through him to Israel. In Matthew 24, Jesus says the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, he says it's a trouble like the world has never seen. And he said that for the church. So Daniel says it in the Old Testament for Israel. Jesus says it in the New Testament for the church. And so, and then Paul talks about the restrainer being taken out of the way. And then the wicked one being revealed. And so Michael is the only one in Scripture that I know of that is told to restrain and to hold back. And then right here in Daniel 12, the Hebrew word amat literally means to stop or to cease. He is stopping his restraint. Do you understand this? And then the Bible says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That takes you all the way post-tribulational to the first resurrection. And when the first resurrection takes place, then are you with me? First resurrection, when it takes place, that's when the rapture takes place. It's after that three and a half years of trouble like the world has never seen. It's after that time that Michael has been restraining and holding back. He stops doing that. It's after that time then a resurrection takes place. Are you with me? Now the Bible says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So there is going to be this man-child that has come forth out of this woman. And this man-child is going to be a man. He, this man-child is going to be a full-grown mature son in God. The 144,000 is a part of it. They're going to go forth and they're going to witness. And through their witness, through the 144,000 witness, many of Israel is going to come into the kingdom of God. But not just that. Many people who are in the church of the living God, the anointed sons of God, are going to go forth and they are going to be shining in great glory. And that, so that the church is going to be you Gentiles in the kingdom of God are going to be used by God to witness to Israel. Which is where Matthew 25 comes in. We've got the judgment of the sheep and the goat nations. And the sheep helped Israel. Now watch this. Well watch. We've got the 144,000 Israelites that are sealed by God. They are the man child. It's coming out of Israel. Along with those that believe in the Messiah coming out of Israel. Do you understand these things? Do you really? Okay, you have got the church of the living God, those that are holding fast, and those people also going to be witnessing in this time. At the same time, you've got sheep and goat people. They are Gentiles who make it all the way through the tribulation period 
who are judged at the end of the tribulation period in Matthew 25. And Jesus says to the sheep on his right hand, enter into the kingdom of God. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. He looks at the goats on his left and he says, he, he, of course, they, they're destroyed and cast into everlasting uh, darkness, punishment. You with me here? Why is that happening? Well, the sheep, he said, because you fed my brethren. Who is his brethren? We already showed you Israel is his brethren. But Matthew, the Bible says in Matthew, is it 10, I believe, what we talked about? Jesus said, who his mother, his brethren, and his sisters were? Those that do the will of God. So it's not just Israelites that the sheep helped that are his brethren. But it's the church that the sheep helped. Anybody that does his will, in Matthew 10, I believe it is, is called his mother, his brother, and his sister. So, what I'm trying to tell you is then, these sheep and these goats who make it through, the sheep and the goats who make it through the tribulation period, the goats are judged, but the sheep are rewarded because they fed his brethren, visited them in jail, clothed them when they were naked, what now and all of a sudden at the end I know I'm kind of jumping way up here but I've got to do this I've got to lay a pattern for you these sheep come before the Lord and they say when did we see thee hungry and fed thee when did we see you naked and clothed you when did we see you in prison and visited you and Jesus says when you've done it unto the least of these my brethren my brethren, you have done it unto me. And so Jesus looks at these sheep and says, enter into the kingdom. They're shocked. When did we feed you? They're shocked that they're saved. So I'm trying to tell you, these sheep that are after the tribulation period, that go into the earthly kingdom, are people who weren't ready for the rapture. When Jesus comes back, destroys the Antichrist, and at his perusi, he gathers his elect up, there's still going to be some people called sheep that go into the earthly kingdom. And the question is, if all sheep are caught up post-tribulational, then who are these sheep that Jesus says enter into the kingdom? Well, they're people who weren't ready for the rapture. They're shocked that they're saved. What you when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? When? It's like they can't believe they're saved. Now, it doesn't mean they're saved by accident. But I'm just telling you that the, the development of their understanding is very shallow. Not to the level of a mature saint ready to be raptured out. These things are very easily answered. So the Bible talks about in Daniel 12, 3, it talks about they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. So you've got Jewish people that are going to be preaching. You've got Jewish believers. You've got, let's just put it this way for understanding, Gentile believers. The church that's going to be preaching. Then you've got some sheep. In that these are Gentiles, Gentile nations that are going to be helping the brethren of the Lord in that time frame. 
feeding, giving drink, clothing. They're going to be in the kingdom and shocked that they are. So no wonder the Lord says, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. How, that's powerful, man. See, I, I, just, I just don't, I have a hard time with it. I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to believe what I'm, what I'm telling you. But what I'm saying, get in the Word of God and find out for yourself if it's in the book or not. Okay? You're going to have to come to some conclusion on it. Especially if you find yourself in it. <laughs> Amen? Hey. All right, now watch this. Verse 4, But thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I understand. I heard somebody say the other day that knowledge is increasing right now every 17 months. It doubles every 17 months. That is amazing. 17 months from now, if that is true, 17 months from now, you'll have twice as much knowledge as you do now. Ever 17 months. That's amazing. So he goes on. He talks about knowledge shall increase. Of course, the knowledge of the word of God and understanding of the word of the Lord. <clears throat> then I, Daniel, looked and behold, there stood other two, the one on the right side of the bank of the river, the other on the right side of the bank of the river, uh, on the other side of the, uh, the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river. How long shall it be to the end of these wonders, these signs? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. Three and a half years. Exactly what Revelation 12 is saying. The time frame is exactly what Revelation 13 is saying the time frame is. And Daniel right here says that's the time frame, three and a half years, and it's when Michael stops restraining. That the persecution is going to take place. At the same time, though, many people are going to come in the kingdom of God because this man-child body is going to go forth and be a witness, and they're going to shine like the firmament of heaven. Are you awake? All right. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Thank you, sister. He said, now, so what we find out is the Antichrist, just as the Bible said in Revelation 12 and 13, he's going to have power over the saints. And what God's going to do with that, He's going to purify the church. He's going to purify His body. Not His wrath. His wrath got poured out, but persecution. This Antichrist having power over the saints. Not just Israel and not just Jerusalem, but worldwide persecution. Like the world has never seen. You understand? And the Bible says, and I heard, but I understood not, Daniel said. Then said I, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? He said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed, closed up and sealed to the time of the end. 
Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. So he talks about the wise. And then he talks about the wicked apostate. And the wicked apostate is going to be full of deception. They're not going to understand what is going on. But the wise are going to understand. And I pray that you've got enough of the word of God in you. That if we are the time, in the time that we'll see this, seven year tribulation period, that you will have enough understanding of the word of God that you'll make it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the testing and the purifying has already begun. It has already begun. And you look at the life of Job, God stood back and he let Satan hit Job. And he let Satan hit Job until when? The coming of the Lord. This, this is powerful stuff, man. So it's all the way through our scripture. Uh, from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. Again, Daniel 9.27 talks about this. And the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now we got, we got beyond 1,260 days. We got 30 more days added to it. And then he goes on, he says, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,305 and 30 days. So now we got another 45 days. we got 75 days added to the 1,260 days. So what he's saying basically is this. If you make it to the, the 75th day beyond the tribulation period, after God has poured out of his wrath and the battle of Armageddon has taken place, and you've made it through the judgment of the sheep and goat, uh, or they, you, I'm saying, You've already been raptured, but I'm talking about as far as what God is doing during those days, setting up his kingdom. You as a, a church person have already been raptured post-tribulational. But if you make it through the tribulation period alive, and you make it through the sheep goat judgment alive, and you make it into the kingdom, you're blessed. I would say so. Now, this is real. This, this is not churchianity I'm giving you. I didn't, I didn't come here to give you churchianity. I came here to give you the word of the Lord, okay? And so, but go thou way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. Now, what, some of y'all didn't understand what I just said. Well, there's 75 days that beyond the 1,260 days because you got 1,335 days. And so what he's showing you is blessed are the people who make it to that point, okay? Because you've survived, you're going into the kingdom of God. Whether you be Israel. Okay, hallelujah. Man, there's so much I could talk to you about. But uh, do you understand the great tribulation period? What's going to be going on during that time? Um, let's go to Revelation so I don't lose you completely. Revelation 12. Watch. Verse 7. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon his and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out in the earth. His angels were cast out with him. All right? That point, that's when Michael stands back, and that's when the great tribulation period starts. Persecution, all right? Uh, the Bible says, and they overcame him. 
verse 11, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heaven, ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man. Okay, y'all with me up to this point? Go over with, with me, please, in verse 7 of chapter 13. When we see this first beast come up, the Antichrist, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindred tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. So the Antichrist, the beast, are, are, uh, have been revealed at this time. Great persecution has taken place. You won't be able to buy and sell without taking his mark. You'll be persecuted by the Antichrist. Are you with me here? Purified and made white. God's got a reason for all of it. But at the same time, you're going to be winning souls. So I have a real hard time of God working with the church and preparing a people. And then all of a sudden, just coming to getting us. And then seven years, this earth needs a witness. Needs somebody to preach, somebody to tell. I just don't see that in the Bible. Let's, okay. Watch this. Okay. What I'm trying to show you is that this persecution is one of these signs that are given in the Word of God that precede the coming of the Lord. It is one of the final signs that have to, a condition, a condition that must take place before He comes is the persecution of the church. It's necessity. It's biblical. Let me put it that way. It's a sign that precedes his coming. Let me go over here to Matthew 24, show you what I'm talking about. Then Revelation 6, if I can get there. I'm out of time, really. But I'm going to try to at least get as much as I can here for you. Because we're going to do our best next week to go into Matthew, Revelation 13. Mm. Matthew 24. Let's look at this. Midpoint of the tribulation period begins the great tribulation. When you therefore, verse 15, shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Okay, remember that woman flee into the wilderness? Let him which is in on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Verse 8 talks about signs that are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. But when you get over here in verse 21... And Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation in the middle point of the tribulation period. He said there's going to be great tribulation period. So you have moved from just a, a, uh, the beginning of birth pains. But you have at the, at the end of the tribulation, Jeremiah 30, Bible talks about men doubled over, look like women in birth pains. That's Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble. Last three and a half years is Jacob's trouble. That's the wrath of God upon Israel and Jerusalem locally. 
at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, the day of the Lord, his worldwide wrath on the nation. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. And many other passages talk about his worldwide wrath. I'm trying to give you a lot here. But anyway, let's keep reading. He says, uh, Great tribulation. Uh, he, he goes on, such as was not since the beginning of the world. Remember Daniel 12. To, that, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened. Calabo. Cut short. He said, if he doesn't cut them short, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. It's, it's, it's an amputation. It's when Antichrist is cut off. That is coming. You understand? Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ, false prophets, shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch. Remember Revelation 13? That if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they say to you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightness coming out of the east, it shineth even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For whereas, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. Here's some signs after the tribulation. Verse 29, Matthew 24, 29. And the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Do you understand? Look at verse 13, Matthew 24. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Right? <clears throat> verse 9. Uh, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So here are some signs. Persecution. Is a condition before he comes. Before he comes. And then he says in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Shall the sun be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming. In the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather. There it is. It's at his parousia that the church is gathered, Episanago. He's going to gather his, together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven unto the earth. Verse 29 says it's after the tribulation of those days. Do you understand? So we'll get more and more into this as we go along here. But uh, let's do one thing. Let's go to Revelation 6 and see how Revelation 6 fits in. Y'all getting tired? Revelation 6, verse 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. The fourth seal brings you to the midpoint of the tribulation period. Okay? One seal per year, approximately. First seal, approximately first year. Second seal, approximately the second year of the tribulation period. Third seal, approximately the third year of the tribulation period. Fourth seal brings you into the midpoint of the tribulation period. Starts the midpoint. Are you with me here? Okay. One seal per year approximately. 
So the fourth seal is opened up. He says, I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword. Say with sword. So what we have here is the persecution in connection with the midpoint of the tribulation period. There is going to be a killing with the sword. Killing with the sword gives you the understanding of being hunted down and violently murdered. So people are going to be hunted down and violently murdered in the midpoint of the tribulation period when this fourth seal is opened up. Then he goes on. Now watch this. And also with hunger. How? How with hunger? Because he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and enslaved, to receive a mark in their hand. To do what? To be able to buy or sell. So without the mark of the beast, if you're a saint of God, you will not take the mark of the beast. And so many of the saints of God, if not divinely provided for, will experience hunger. Die by starvation. Because it talks about people that are going to be killed. People murdered and people dying from hunger. Starvation. Why? Because they can't take the mark. Because they know if they take the mark, they're doomed to hell. And this is in the connection with, again, the middle of the tribulation period. And with death. Say with death. Or one translation, plagues. Which means there's some things going on with the Antichrist movement. I don't know what all is going to take place, but there, there could be uh, the detonation of uh, uh, weapons. Uh, uh, what do you call those weapons? Uh, 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 plagues. Chemical weapons. All right? So he's going to kill with death, plagues, and with the beast of the earth. Revelation 13 talks about a first beast. It talks about two beasts. It talks about a beast coming up from the, the sea, and it talks about a beast coming up from the land. So you've got Antichrist, political leader, and you've got a religious beast that are going to be in the last days. And do you know that this word beast here is connected with those beasts? That it's not just some kind of wild animals that are going around ripping people apart. Although I do believe that's possible. But the word beast here, when it's used in the book of Revelation, it's always, always in the connection of the Antichrist and the false prophet. So these people that are being slain here are being slain by the Revelation 13 beast in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now that's pretty simple. Pretty easily understood. Theron, the, the beast. Okay, let me, let me get back up here. Find my place. Okay, so in that midpoint of the tribulation period, we've got, we've got uh, people being slain with a sword. We've got people being slain with hunger, with, with plagues, and with the beast of the earth. Revelation 13 falls right into this time frame. Now, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. There's that persecution of the saints. We found out how they're slain, and now we found out 
where they are and why they were slain. Because of the testimony which they held. And I don't have time this morning. Maybe tonight I'll preach to you the testimony of Jesus and what that means. Because when you get Revelation chapter 12, the latter part of that, it talks about the, the, the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God and who have the testimony of Jesus and what that means. But here we see right here that uh, they are slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying how long they held their testimony, man. Now, if they had a mind to return, they would have returned in this time. Because I'm telling you, there's nothing like the world has ever seen that's going to hit this world. The only people who have a, have, a, have a chance is those that walk with Jesus. Love not their lives to the end. Overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Love not their lives unto the end. Watch this. Okay, let me finish here. I've got to, got to get going. He said they were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Because this is a major sign that precedes the... And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black, and sackcloth the hair of the moon became his blood. When does that happen? Matthew 24, Jesus said, okay, you've got the persecution of the saints. Then he says, these signs shall happen after the tribulation, after the tribulation period. Matthew 24, 29. Now we read about them right here in Revelation 6. When the sixth seal is opened up, that sixth seal takes you all the way to the end of the tribulation period. I'm going to read it to you again in a minute. I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of the hair, the moon became his blood. What is happening here? Well, this is the beginning of the day of the Lord. It's post-tribulational. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, every mountain island were moved out of their places. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So they recognize at that point that now they're in the day of the Lord. Now it's the time of his wrath. These kings, these mighty men, they understand where they are. They discern this is the wrath of God. And so what we have here, this, this takes you all the way to the end of the tribulation period when God is pouring out his worldwide wrath, which is called the day of the Lord. Okay, you with me? For the great day of his wrath is come. If your Bible says has come, it's wrong. It's not at this verse right here saying it's already taken place. He's saying right there, it is come. Now is the beginning of his wrath. 
and it's post-tribulational because it's connected with all these signs and cataclysmic events in the heavens and a great earthquake. And so even at that point, the men of the earth recognize it to be the wrath of God, his searing, fiery, indignant, indignant wrath, which is connected with the time of the end that God warns you to, to stay faithful unto, to hold fast till he comes. This is what he's talking about. And mountains and rocks, oh man, being prayed to, to be hide from the wrath. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? This takes you all the way up to the day of the Lord, which is post-tribulational. Matthew 24, let's go back there, and I, I'm going to close. I got one more verse in Revelation 14, and I'm done. In Matthew 24, watch this, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened and the, after the tribulation? And the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the Son of Man in heaven. And then he goes on and he talks about sending his angels out to gather the elect with the trumpets. And on and on it goes. It's right there in the Word of God, the events that will take place. So Revelation 6 takes you all the way to the end where you have the darkening of, uh, 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 or the cataclysmic events in the heavens. As, as signs that are post-tribulational, okay, but and connected with the day of the Lord. Revelation 14. Here's God's warning. 14.9, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. There's the warning. But 2 Thessalonians 2, we found out those people that did not receive a love for the truth. There will be many people that don't heed the warning and they will take the mark of the beast and be damned. Do you understand? Let's go over to uh, Joel, and I'm closing. These, this sign and these signs that take you for, for seal through the latter seals there are signs with four seal on that put you in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period and take you all the way to the end. Okay? You got it? Conditions. Persecution of the saints before he comes and then, at the time of his coming, cataclysmic events in the heavens that, that happen in connection with the end of the tribulation period and his coming. Now, Joel 2, last thing. We'll show you something. We already found out two things that will precede the day of the Lord. His wrath, his coming when he pours out his searing wrath. And that's the falling away in the Antichrist being revealed. We know that happens in the tribulation period. Now, in Joel chapter 2... Is anybody learning anything today? Okay. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Verse 30. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before 
the great and terrible day of the Lord come. So Matthew 24, Jesus gives you signs of these cataclysmic events in the heavens. And then Joel 2 says it's before the day of the Lord. That seven-year tribulation period is not the day of the Lord. But it is the time when the Antichrist, there will be a great falling away. The Antichrist will come forth. Seals will be open. The first three will be open. And then with the fourth seal, that takes you into the middle of the tribulation period. And all the way, those seals, Revelation 6, take you to the very end. And so, again, the conditions, persecution and cataclysmic events in the heavens. Things that happen before he comes. But watch. Verse 30. I will show wonders in the heavens, the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Matthew 24 again. You got to get this to you. So there we found out it's before the day of the Lord, right? The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is going to come as a woman with child in birth pains. And so in Revelation 12, we see that, that woman with child in birth pains. Matthew 24. Okay, are y'all starting to at least get a little glimpse of truth as far as the timing of events and conditions? The great tribulation period. Mm. Okay, here we go. Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So it tells you there it's going to be after. And Joel 2 says it's before the day of the Lord. Amen? This is good stuff, man. I just love the Word of God. Man, it's just so plain. Hallelujah. Okay, Revelation 6. Go to Revelation 6. <clears throat> Beginning with that fourth seal, that... Puts you in the middle of the tribulation period. Takes you all the way to the very end. Again, we'll look at it. Revelation 6. We have the persecution. Begin with verse 8. Verse 7, the fourth seal is open. We have the persecution of the saints. Verse 9. We have the fifth seal opened up. We see the martyrs of those that were slain. Okay. Are you all with me still? And then he opens the sixth seal. There's a great earthquake. Ah, sun became black sackcloth. The hair of the moon became his blood. Again, that takes you to the end of the tribulation period, but it's before the day of the Lord. And the stars of heaven fell on the earth as a fig tree cast her untimely figs, which she was shaving a mighty wind. And then, of course, by the time you get to the end of all this, these people recognize because now you are post-tribulational and you're in the time of these cataclysmic events of the heavens. Uh, now you're starting to move into the day of the Lord and the day of the Lord is his searing wrath upon the whole world and so that the kings and mighty men, etc. recognize that they are in the time of the wrath. Post-tribulational. Worldwide wrath. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Amen.
Revelation 20, verse 4. I saw thrones in them, and they set upon them, and judgment was given unto them. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's that first resurrection company. Okay, so I think it's pretty clear. Let's stand of what's, what the great tribulation period is, what's going to be happening at that time, who's going to be here when it takes place. And I just pray the Word of God has got a hold of you because, number one, you need to obey the doctrine of the apostles that He gave to you. You need to get born again. You need to come into the kingdom of God. And it's not, being honest with you today, it's not going up and shaking any preacher's hand. You know, come up, invite you to the front and I, I shake your hand now and now you're a member of the church uh, that's not what it is what it is is you must be born again of the water and the spirit Acts 2.38 says repent be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that's being born again of the water and the spirit that's how you start that's how you come into the kingdom and if you're not yet in the kingdom of God, you need to do that first. And then prepare yourself, get stronger every day for whatever you might face. Even if it isn't this tribulation period or the great tribulation to come, you're still going to have a fight. And you're still going to have to walk in His light, walk in His love, and walk in the truth, and believe it, and love that truth. If you don't, you'll be deceived. So heed the warning of the Lord. Receive the word of God today and be saved. Come into his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your word. You know every person that is here right now. I can't convict them. I can't save them. I can't draw them. Only, Lord, can you deal with the heart of a man and a woman. Only you, your word, by your spirit, can you speak to that individual today. I pray, Lord, you draw them by your Spirit, that they would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Bring them to repentance and to a new birth experience in you. We thank you, Lord, for this awesome gift of salvation that you provided for us on the cross. Lord God, for those who are already in your kingdom, Today we would repent, we'd make up our mind, we would choose. This great struggle, Lord, within us, great struggle in the spirit world, the souls of men. Lord, let us not be numbered with those who fall away, but let us be numbered with those who are faithful to the end. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to tell you one last thing before I let you go. There's some of you who, who you're, you're not born again. And the enemy, he's going to do everything he can to keep you away from truth. He's going to do everything he can to keep you away from a church that preaches the truth. So just remember, when you're tempted, 
to not come hear the word of the Lord who's talking to you. Because the Lord wants you to be saved. And God wants you to make it. God's for you. He is not against you. He's a good God. He's an awesome God. He's a God of salvation. And He offers you eternal life. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.